Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, not a big deal. All the scripture this morning will be on the screen. Uh, but I want to go to Luke chapter one as we begin, uh, like Pastor Spencer said, a brand new series today that will kind of lead us through the Christmas season that we've entitled this, Waiting on a Promise. Waiting on a Promise. Uh, I would assume that everybody here, uh, because you find yourself this morning sitting in a church service, has some understanding or realization of this. But Christmas, it really is all about Jesus. Christmas is not about all the things that even in, in, in our Christian lives that we make it about sometimes. Now, I, I am, I'm not going to uh, expose all the different Christmas holiday traditions we have uh, in fear that you would judge me and you would walk out. Um, and so I'm not saying that there's anything wrong or anything bad with the different holiday traditions that we have. But, but I think sometimes we, we really do, we, we forget that, that what we're actually doing is we're celebrating, we're remembering, we're memorializing, if you will, that God demonstrated his love. Romans chapter five says that God has proven. God's demonstrated his love in that he sent at the right time his son in the form of a baby who would become not just a man, but the man who lived the life that we could not live, who in every way fulfilled the law of God who then died the death that we deserve. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin, he who lived the life that we could not live, he, he then became sin. And he died the death that we deserve so that on that third day, as he was resurrected by the power of God, having defeated death, hell, and the grave, that in his finished work, in the victory that he won, that we might be fully reconciled to God redeemed forever, brought back into right relationship with him. Yes, we are celebrating a baby in a manger, but more than that, we are celebrating and remembering that Christmas, it is the proof and the evidence of God's love that has been demonstrated and made manifest, made clear to all. For God so loved the world that he, that he gave. He gave the first Christmas present, the greatest Christmas present he gave his son that we might through him be fully redeemed and reconciled. If, if, if you read uh, the Christmas story, and I do mean the biblical narrative, uh, not the Elf on the Shelf book or Santa Claus or whatever books you, you've read, but if you read the, the, the biblical narrative, you'll find that all throughout it, there's this phrase, that it may be fulfilled. And this happened, that it may be fulfilled. And this happened that it may be fulfilled because Jesus, he was the fulfillment of the promise that God had made to his people all throughout the Old Testament. All throughout the Old Testament, God had spoken and God had promised to his people, there is one who is coming and he will be the Messiah, the Savior, the one who will redeem and reconcile humanity back into right relationship with God. Jesus is the ultimate promise and the fulfillment 
of all that God had promised. And, and, and yet, th- there today still remains promises, plural, for you and I. There, there's what uh, you could say are, are different categories. There is one, the promise that we have of eternal salvation. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that this is not my home. I'm thankful this fallen, broken world with all of its dysfunction, this is not my end. Paul says this in the book of Romans. He says, remember, it's in this hope, not the hope of a better life here on earth, not not the hope of just more money and bigger houses and cars and more. That's not the hope we were saved. He says, it's in the hope that God will return and he will bring us to himself and we will live forever in a place called heaven, in eternity, reconciled to God, God having once and for all made all things new. We have the hope, the promise of eternal life. Not only that, but God has given us promises for life here on earth. Anybody besides for me, you're thankful that God has given us promises for life here on earth, and anybody else. The Bible says that that we've been provided all things. Someone just say all. We've we've been provided all things pertaining to life and godliness. That God is the one who supplies all of our need according to his riches and glory. I think it's it's our American mindset maybe. Anytime we, we, we read a verse like that, we immediately think money. And God shall supply all of my need. But can I tell you, it's much bigger than money. It's much bigger than, than dollars. You and I, we have great need here on this earth. We have need of peace in the midst of chaos. We have need of comfort in in situations and circumstances that rob us of that. We have need of joy. We have need of wisdom. Any moms and dads besides for myself are scratching your head sometimes like, God, how in the world are we gonna raise these kids? We need wisdom. There are so many things that we need and God, he has not only promised us an eternal reward, but he's promised us all of your need right here on this earth. You can pray and say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. We've been given promises for right here, right now. This is why the Bible says that all of God's promises, plural, are yes and amen in Christ. And not only that, but here here this morning, maybe you've never heard this before, uh, maybe you've just forgotten it, but right here this morning, there, there are yet still more promises that pertain to your life individually. Jeremiah chapter one, verses four through five, and Psalm 139, they, they both speak to the reality that before you were born, before you were even thought about or conceived in your mother's womb, God, he ordained the steps of your life. God says to Jeremiah, he says, before you were born, remember, I knew you and I set you apart right where I wanted you and I ordained you or put a purpose and a plan. I know it sounds cliche, but the reality is all of us, we were created on purpose for a purpose. There remain still promises of the purpose and plan that God has for our life. And before you go, no, I'm disqualified. I've, I've already made too many mistakes. The Bible says in, 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 in the book of Romans that the gifts and the calling of God is irrevocable. 
In other words, God can take the, the, the zags when we should have zigged and the zigs when we should have zagged. He can take them and work them together for our good and yet still redeem your life unto fulfilling the thing that it was created for. Oh, there are, there are promises here this morning, wherever you are in life, whoever you are, there are promises that God has made for you and God has made to you this morning. And here, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are to live a life that imitates, that imitates those who through faith and patience have inherited God's promises. Did you know that while all of God's promises are sure, they are yes and amen. They are guaranteed. They're not automatic. God's promises, this is why there's verses like Ephesians 2.10 that says we're the workmanship of Christ created, uh, of God created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. In other words, Paul says, oh no, absolutely. You are a divine design of God and he has redeemed you for some good works on this earth. And he goes, and you really should walk in them. It, it's not automatic. Thus, the Bible says we have to, through, through imitation, imitate those who through faith and patience have inherited the promises of God. And so what we're gonna do in this series is look at a number of different uh, Bible passages, uh, stories from the Christmas story, again, the biblical narrative. And we're gonna use some of these passages to show us how, how we can live a life that fully receives, how, how we can wait and posture our life to fully receive all that God has for us. Because Jesus, he came, the, the, the fulfillment of the promise, he came to reconcile and redeem our life, not just for relationship with him, but for a purpose on this earth. And he desires that we walk in it and fulfill it. Can I get an amen? Luke chapter one, verse 26 is where we're gonna start today. Uh, I'm, I'm just gonna read straight from the screen. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. If you don't have a Bible, again, not a big deal. But for, from the screen, uh, it, it says this. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee, to a city of Galilee, to a, you went a little bit too quick on the scripture. I'm so sorry, I didn't get the back half of it. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm like, and my Bible's not open either. Um, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you and blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, notice this, she was troubled at his saying. That's interesting to me because through, through so much of scripture, we see when the angel of the Lord would, would come and would, would appear to people that they would be troubled or frightened at his presence. But it doesn't say that Mary was troubled by his presence. It doesn't say that she was bothered or afraid of his presence. She was troubled at his saying which we'll talk about this here in a few moments, but it seems to imply to me that Mary had some familiarity with the presence of God. It says she was troubled at his, at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. And he'll be called the son of the highest. 
and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative who was barren, could not have children, but, but now behold your, uh, your relative Elizabeth, she's also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Can the church say amen? And with God, nothing will be impossible. And I believe the key to this whole passage, verse 38, then Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be done or let it be to me according to your word. And at those words, the angel departed from her. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Title of the sermon, I wanna preach this morning, simply this, embracing the impossibility. Embracing the impossibility. We see here in Luke chapter one that the angel of the Lord comes to, comes to Mary and the, and the angel of the Lord greets her by saying, rejoice, highly favored one. You found favor with God. In other words, God has something special and unique he wants to do in your life and through your life. And, and I referenced this a moment ago, but the Bible says Mary, she was troubled at this saying. I don't know about you, but I can relate a lot to Mary because I often don't view my life the way that God views my life. And anybody else, can, can, can you re- relate to Mary like me? See, because a lot of times when I think about my life, what I think about is all of my inadequacies. When I think about my life, I think oftentimes about all the things that I've done wrong all the places where I should have zagged, but I zigged, and I should have zigged, but, but I zagged, all, all the things that I promised I would never do, and yet I found, found myself doing, all, all the things that I should have been doing, but I wasn't doing. See, I think about my life oftentimes, not the way that God thinks about it, but through the lens of my faults and failures. Now, we, we don't know from text if this is how, how, how Mary was, was viewing herself, but we do know that Mary, she did not see herself like God saw her. See, because what the Bible says is that God, he, he views us differently than we view ourselves in that he views us now through the finished work of Jesus. He views us as righteous. Did you know this morning that, that God, he views you as right with him? I, I love Romans chapter five, verse one and two. It's one of my favorite verses because it says, uh, therefore we have been declared right with God and are now at peace with him. We don't don't often feel like that. The Bible says, oh, no, 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 rest assured that you have been declared because of what Jesus has done. You have been declared right with God. Right here, right now, you're at peace with God. Galatians 3, 6, I believe it is. It says that we are the beloved children of God. Do you often think of yourself as the beloved son, the favored son of God? Do you often think of yourself as the beloved or the favored daughter of God? No, we often think of ourselves as second-class citizens in God's kingdom. I I really haven't been that perfect and I haven't been that spiritual. And so I just don't know where I, the Bible says this is not how God views us. 
God views us as his beloved children in whom he is well-pleased, who are right with him, who are at peace with him. And, and one of my favorite scriptures, Jeremiah 20 and 11, what does it say? God goes, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Just so you know, you might have thoughts about you. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts, not of evil, but to give you a hope and, and to give you a future. Can I tell you that there, there is indeed promises and a purpose and a plan. And just like Mary, God has promises for your life. God has purpose. God has planned for your life. But hear me this morning, just like Mary, these promises and these plans, they come from God. The first thing that I want for us to catch is that the promises, the purposes, and the plans for our life, they come from God. God's promises, they come from God. Now, why, Brandon, is this important that, 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 that we sit on this and that we know this? Because we've been raised in a culture and we've been raised under sometimes inspirational, it sounds good, it feels good teaching that implies things like, you can be whatever you want. Hey, hey, little Johnny, what do you want to be when you grow up? Hey, hey, Susie, what college do you want to go to? Hey, t tell me, what are all the dreams? And it sounds good. And, 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 and what, it, what it does is it teaches us or, or it gives us these subtle b beliefs in our heart that we get to dictate and determine the direction of our life and then God gets to come behind us and bless it. Okay, can I tell you this morning, I hate to burst your bubble on Christmas, but can I tell you, God is under no obligation to bless your good ideas. You will not find it anywhere in this book. God is under no obligation to put his hand upon and to bless and push forward your great ideas and your great plans and your desires. No, 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 no. If we want to experience the blessing of God and we want to experience the peace and the favor and the, the prospering of God, we have to come under what he is already doing. We have to come under what he is already saying. See, God's not under any obligation to bless my ideas or your ideas. No, he has called us to come under what he is saying. What, what is his plan for your life? What is his purpose for, for your life? Where is God directing you to go? Where has God asked you to live? What has God asked you to do in your home? What are the things that God is speaking to you? Because that is where we find the blessing and the favor and the, the prospering, the, the, the pushing forward from God. And if we want to know God's promises and his purposes, we have to go to him the Bible says this in uh, Proverbs chapter two, verse six. It says, for the Lord, notice that, not, not social media, not, not the comparison trap, not what all the other moms are doing. He says, no, no, for the Lord, the Lord, the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth, not, not, not from our wishful thinking, from his mouth, comes knowledge and understanding. For the Lord gives wisdom. And from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Romans 12, two says this, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. Listen, 
by the renewing of your mind. I love how this verse ends because we, we often leave it right there. Hey guys, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the crowd goes crazy. But the, the verse continues and it says that you may prove. One translation says that you may prove to know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How, how, how is it that I that I come to know the promises and the purposes and the plans that God has for me to walk in. I have to renew my mind to his, to, to his work. Can I tell you what else we have to do? We have to surrender our great ideas. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I, I, I'd never seen this in this way be, before I was studying for this sermon. And I wanna show you at the very end what God's promise is. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Can I just point out a lot of our plans and our ideas and the purposes and, and, and the things that we've constructed for our life, we've done so to the best of our ability with, with, with good intentions in our own understanding. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the inroad is de destruction. Tr trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways, acknowledge him. In everything you do, God, this seems like, this feels like, but God, more than anything, I wanna stay under the covering, under the protection and the blessing and the prospering of your plan for my life. I'm not trying to be led by emotion, I'm not trying to be led by passing feelings and passing, no God, I wanna be led by you. And here's what the Bible says. If you will trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, Proverbs 3, 6, listen to what it says. It says, God will, he will direct your path. Whoa, 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 whoa. So God's actually committed to direct my path. God's actually committed to step in and come close and direct me and lead me and guide me as I trust in him. God, I'm not, I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm not making presumptuous decisions and giving myself to presumption. No, no, God, I'm, I'm coming and I'm asking you that you would direct me. And the Bible says he will direct your path. We, we read this in the series that we were just in, but James 4, 8 says that, that if we would draw near to God, that God would draw near to us. I, I think that the story of Mary, it is proof and evidence that Mary, although the text doesn't clearly say it, the principles all throughout scripture show it to us, that Mary was living a life that was postured to honor God and draw near to God and be a humble servant of God. And thus God, God spoke to her. Can I tell you one of the greatest benefits of, of living a life that's coming under God's purposes and his plans and holding on to his promises is that it brings us peace. Anybody besides for me, you could use a little more peace in your life. You, 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 you could use a little bit more rest and confidence. I love this. Numbers 20, 23, 19, listen to what it says. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent or change his mind. Anybody like me, you are given to changing your mind and what you thought last week is not what you think this week and what you put your foot down and said, I'm going to the gym every single day is not what you actually did. 
Because God's not, he's not like that. He's not a man that he should lie, nor, nor a son of man or, or just flesh that he should change his mind. Has he not said and will he not do or has he spoken and will he not make it good? One translation says that by his outstretched arm, he will do what he said. You know what I love about, about God is that God says, hey, I guarantee my word. I'm committed to my word. I, the, the integrity of our God is committed to what he has said. And when we come under and say, God, more than anything, I want to live a life that is not presumptuous, but God, I want to know the purpose and the plan. And I want to be in Lord Jesus, the promises you have for me. It brings great confidence because God, again, hate to burst your Christmas bubble. He's not committed to our plans. He's committed to his plans. He's not committed to our great ideas. He's committed to his word that he has spoken one of the things that we, we need is confidence because so many of God's promises, well, God, God's promises, they often seem impossible. If you're taking notes, you could just jot that down. That The reality is the purposes and plans and promises of God, they often seem impossible. We, we won't re- read this for time's sake, but, but Mary, she acknowledges in this passage, um, Lord, how will this be? By the way, can I tell you that acknowledging the impossibility of something is not a lack of faith. Acknowledging the impossibility of something is not disobedience. There, there, there is this teaching that some have, have come under that we just have to pretend like reality doesn't exist. It's the person who's like coughing up a lung. Hey, are you doing okay? Blessed and highly favored. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, it's like, no, 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 no. I think you actually might need a cough drop, sir. Like, you're not fine. Acknowledging the impossibility or the reality of something, it's not, it's, it's not a lack of faith. It's not disobedience. It's simply acknowledging the opportunity for God to do something beyond our own ability. And so many of God's promises and his purposes and his plans for our life, they often seem impossible. Mary goes, Lord, how can this be? Like my name is Mary, but I ain't married. I am betrothed, but that is as far as this thing is gone. I am living pure and holy. I'm a virgin. I have not been with, how can this be? And and I love the angel's response. He says, well, the the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and he's going to overshadow you so that this thing this baby, this promise, this life that you're about to live. See, I think Mary's a great example because Mary, she, she, she gives us a great picture of how God has called us to live. And I want you to think about this. Mary was walking in the purpose and plan that God had for her life. We'll talk about this momentarily, surrendering her own great ideas. She was walking in the purpose and plan that God had for her life and simultaneously carrying in her womb the seed of a promise. See, Mary was both walking in God's purpose and plan while at the same time having a promise that was within her. And and, and the angel goes, well, the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you. He's gonna empower you to, to walk this out, but also he's gonna be the one that supernaturally conceives this in your womb so that your life This baby, it it will not be a testimony of your great discipline. It'll not be a testimony. It'll be a testimony of God's supernatural power. The the angel says, so that this will be called 
not the son of Mary and Joseph. So this will be called the son of God. Can I tell you that there's two different levels of impossible? And I think that both of them are realities for us, maybe one more so than the other. But, but there's the impossible of like the actual impossible, like walking on water, like, like having a baby when, when you have not been with, with a man. It's, it, 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 it's the doctor's report that you get. The doctor says, I, I, I hate to tell you this, but there is no cure for this. You, you, you do know, right, that there is nothing that we can do for this. There is no medicine. There is no surgery. There, there, there's nothing, that, it, it is impossible. But, but there's also the improbable. It's, it's the things that we, we sense the Lord speaking to us and leading us in and promising to us. It just doesn't seem like it's gonna happen. It, 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 it's when, when God speaks to you, I am your provider and I will bless you and increase, increase you financially. And you think, yeah, but, but my boss hates me. God, but like, I'm already at the top of my field. Like literally, Lord, I'm at the ceiling. There, there is, I'm boxing, there is no room for me to go anywhere but where I am. And, and it just seems improbable. I know that God heals and restores, but it just seems like our marriage, man, it's the shot in the dark. It, it does, and, and we have to wrestle with both the impossible and just the improbable. But can I tell you this morning, our God is not only the God of the impossible, he's the God of the improbable. I wanna read you just a couple of scriptures. Luke 137 says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 14, six, uh, I'll read the whole thing, but it's the bottom half. I love this. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing, Nothing restrains the Lord. Can I say, nothing restrains our God from saving by many or saving by few. Mark 9, 23, Jesus speaks to a parent and he says, for all things are possible to him who believes. I wanna read you one more, Daniel 4, 17. There's a couple other that I can reference, but for time's sake, Daniel 4, 17, I wanna read this to you. Daniel 4, 17 says, this decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones, listen to this, in order for the purpose of that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdoms of men and he gives it to whoever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. We could go to Proverbs 21.1 that says the heart of your boss, the heart of, of your supervisor, the heart of the king, it's in God's hand. And God directs it wherever he wishes. You can go to Psalm 75, five through seven, where it says, hey, don't, don't you try to, try to lift your head on high. No, promotion and exaltation, it doesn't come from the east or the west, but God is the judge. And he lifts one up and he puts, God is in control, my friends. And he is the God of the impossible and he is the God of the improbable. And what often seems impossible is not impossible for or with our God. And he is committed to his word. Okay, so riddle me this, Brandon. Then how come so many people don't see God's promises fully come to pass? I'm glad you asked. 
It's, it's because what we see through scripture, and we'll read this momentarily, it's because God's promises, point three, if you're taking notes, they, they, they require us to receive them by faith. Luke one thirty eight, it's what I believe the key of this whole passage is. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me. Listen to that first. Let it be to me according to your word. According to your word. Why don't many people receive or fully walk in the promises of God? Because first of all, they require that we receive them. And, and can I tell you what receiving them often means? That we surrender our own will. Not, not, not a lot of great popular preaching on Jesus' famous words. Anyone who wants to follow me, anyone, anyone who wants to follow me, I, I, I'm in, must die to himself and take up his cross and then follow me. Not, not a lot of people interested in surrendering their will to God. No, God, that's not my plan. No, 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 God, this, this, this wasn't what I mapped out for our family. No, 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 Lord, Lord, Lord. This, this is not the direction. I don't wanna live here. I don't wanna do that. I don't want to fill in the blank. Not a lot of people willing to surrender wholeheartedly their own plans, their own will, to say, God, let it be to me according to your word. See, we, we, we don't think about this, and I, I do not pretend to understand all of its complexity, but we don't often think about what it really meant for Mary to say yes to, to, to what God was saying. Do you know how difficult that made her life? Do you know the hardship that would lead her in? Do you know how that would complicate so much of her at the time less complicated life? Do you know the pain and the agony she would face as she watched her, her firstborn baby dying as he was hanging naked on a cross? Mary's yes was an expensive yes. And all we, we want God's will, we want God's purpose, we want God's plan, we want God's promise on our terms. But, but my friends, to fully walk in the promise, the purpose of God is for us to say, God, I surrender my will to you. God, I surrender my great ideas to you. God, I surrender my, my understanding. God, let it be according to your word. First Peter 5, 5, 5, 6, I believe it is. It says, therefore, humble yourself. Don't you love that? That God goes, hey, you do it yourself, buddy. Hey, hey, buddy, this one's on you. I made the first move. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna stay with you, but this one's on you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that God may exalt you and lift you up in due time. See, we, we have to embrace and fully receive God's promises and do so by Faith. Hebrews 6.12 says, therefore, we, we pray that you do not become sluggish, but you imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. 
This morning, as we close our service, I'm, I'm gonna invite our, our worship team to, to, to come on back up. And as we close our service, we're gonna close a little bit differently today. Uh, we're gonna close, today is the first Sunday of the month, which if you uh, have been here for a while, you know that's the Sunday that we take communion. And, and we're gonna close our service today uh, by taking communion. By the way, if you're here and when you walked in, you, you didn't receive one of the communion elements, uh, just, shoot, just shoot your hand real high in the sky. Uh, one of our guest experience team will come and find you and, and give to you those communion elements, which speaking of hand high in the sky, I forgot to grab mine. Thank you so much. Um, but I, I, I really felt like the Lord was, was leading me and leading us to close our service by taking communion today because communion is not just a religious act. I don't know what background or what denomination maybe you grew up in, but but this is more than, than, than a religious ceremonial act. Jesus said, do this often in, in remembrance of me. Do this often to remember to memorialize, to celebrate, to stir up in your heart what I'm about to do, what I have done. We, we take this cracker and we eat it. There's no real significance in the actual cracker. Uh, that's why it tastes like cardboard. Uh, if it has significance, I believe the Lord would bless it and it would taste a little bit better. Um, but it's, 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 it's a symbol, it's symbolic. And it symbolizes for us the fact that Jesus' body was broken. Jesus' body was broken. The book of Isaiah says that Jesus' body was broken so that our body can be made whole. His body was broken so your marriage can be made whole. His body was broken so your home, your heart, your life can be made whole again. God is the God who redeems all things abundantly. Psalm 130 says, hope in God, for with God there is the abundant ability to redeem and to restore. And we, we take this cracker remembering that Jesus, your body was broken so my life can be made whole in every way. We drink this little cup of juice remembering that Jesus' blood was poured out so that our sins could be forgiven. You know why I felt like, like it was appropriate? Because we're talking about receiving from God freshly his purpose, receiving from God direction for, for his plan for our life, receiving from God promises that we need healing and provision and protection. What often gets in the way is shame and guilt that has no place. What often gets in the way is all of the, the stuff that we've allowed just to accumulate. And we can hear a sermon like this and part of us goes, ah, it makes sense. And part of us goes, it's just not for me though. And I've missed it so much. And God, I know that you love me and I know that you forgive me, but oh God, I have a whole 20 years that I was missing it so bad. Oh God, I've made so many mistakes. I've started and then stutter stepped and failed so many times, God. I just don't think or I just don't know if, if this still applies to me. God, can you really use a broken vessel like me to do something for you on this earth? God, can you really heal someone like me who feels so fragile? 
God, can you really cover my sins? Can I tell you this morning, you've been called by God, but you've been qualified by his son, Jesus, and his finished work. And I wanna lead us in communion for, for this purpose to, in essence, wipe the slate clean and give us this morning a clean slate that God can begin to then write on. That, that we would have tablets this morning that are hearts that are clean before the Lord, that are not only washed of, uh, of sin or unrighteousness, but a mind that's been, that's been cleared from shame and guilt and condemnation and one that can go, okay, God, I receive from you. Lord, from your mouth comes wisdom and understanding and knowledge. From you, God, flows the promises, the purposes, the plans for my life. So I receive them today. So can we do this? Can we open this little thing? Praise you, Jesus, that I could open it. And let, let's do this. If, if, you, if you have this cracker, we just take this cracker and we're gonna take a moment to put it out in front of you. You can close your eyes, you can bow your head. And I wanna pray this morning, remind us and stir us up. And then we're gonna take this in faith. God, today, while this cracker may not have significance, your body that was broken had eternal significance. And we take this today, God, reminding ourselves not because of what we have done, not because of our good works, but because of your love that was freely and generously, abundantly, never failingly poured out for us. That Jesus, you gave your body to be broken. All of the sickness and the hurt and the pain and dysfunction that sin causes. Your body took all of it. And your body was broken so that every area of our life that is broken can by faith be made whole. And so I pray today in Jesus' name that Holy Spirit, you would resoundingly in our heart speak and confirm your covenant to us that by your stripes we are healed, that our mind is healed, our body is healed, our marriages and our families are healed. And so we receive it today by faith. Would you, would you take this cracker with me? And Lord, today we take this cup of possibly expired grape juice. We remind ourselves that Jesus, your precious blood was poured out you didn't back down, you could have. You could have in a second called legions of angels to rescue you and you didn't. But you hung upon that cross and your blood was poured out to cover and cleanse and forgive us of all of our sins. So we thank you today, Lord Jesus, that by your stripes we are healed, but by your blood that was poured out, that we are now counted righteous. 
You said if we would confess our sin that you're faithful and just to forgive us. And so today we confess any sin that's in our life to you and we receive today the forgiveness and the cleansing that only your blood can bring. Now church, receive that in faith today and receive his forgiveness, his cleansing, his washing. Now Lord, today we ask you We ask you today that as we have freshly received the Lord's Supper, that there would be a great exhale within our soul. God, that you would clear our minds and our hearts and that our ears would be open to hear your voice speak. God, we need to know what your plan, what your purpose, what your will for our life is. We don't wanna walk in our own ways, we wanna walk in yours. God, we need to to know what your promises are for us that we might receive them by faith and walk in them. And so I pray today for every single person in this room, including myself, that with clean hearts, with a fresh uh, slate uh, been, been wiped clean this morning, that you would speak deeply to us. In Jesus' name. Now here's what we're gonna do. I I intentionally ended a little earlier because I don't want for you to pack your purse. I don't want you to, you know, run run out the door. What I want for us to do is I want for us to take a few moments and um, I'm gonna hand it back to our worship team and they're gonna lead us this morning. I want for us to take a few moments and just say, Lord Jesus, speak to me. Get your journal, get your phone, get, get a pen and paper. Say, God, speak to me. And I want you to begin to write down whatever it is that God is speaking to you. Come on, God knows. The Bible says, if anybody asks uh, last wisdom, let him ask of God. If anybody doesn't know, ask God and he will help. God, speak to me. Lord, speak speak freshly. Correct me if you need to. We're gonna take a few moments and we're gonna respond by by just listening, receiving from the Lord. And then uh, a few moments later, our band's gonna lead us back in a song just to just respond. And then we'll close and we'll end our service for today. But you can stay right in your seats. And let's just posture ourselves, pen, paper, phone, whatever it might be. Let's just say, God, speak to us. Speak deeply. And help us to know today what your purposes and plans and what your what your promises are. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.